мною принято решение о проведении специальной военной операции. Кто бы ни пытался помешать нам, а тем более создать угрозы для нашей страны, для нашего народа, должны знать, что ответ России будет незамедлительным и приведет вас к таким последствиям, с которыми вы в своей истории еще никогда не сталкивались. Мы готовы к любому развитию событий. To get an eastern take on the ongoing situation, we turn to Beijing-China-based media group Cake Sun, who published an opinion piece this Saturday morning entitled Ukraine is only the start as Putin reserts control of Eastern Europe, written by news editor Zhu Hequin. 48 hours have passed since Russia announced the launch of its special military operation in eastern Ukraine. In an arrow sense, this post-Cold War era during which we grew up and that we have become so familiar with has now completely ended. In a broad sense, the international order and the international system of law established and upheld since 1945 have taken a serious blow. From the 2004 Orange Revolution and the 2014 Euro Square protests to the current struggles and conflicts in Ukraine, we can see a cruel gap in the international community between what should be and what is. Looking at what should be, the US, the European Union, the North American Treaty Organization, NATO, and Ukraine have been on solid grounds and every sovereign state has the right to choose its development path. Alliances and partners as a military political group, NATO adheres to an open door policy and will not directly decline the accession of any state. Looking at what is, all major powers want to have a certain sphere of influence, a zone that guarantees their security interests or even buffer zones with other groups on the front line. Most importantly, they have their own red lines that must, be, that must not be crossed by other forces. At the emergency security talks at the end of 2021, Russian President Vladimir Putin stated that Ukraine and other post-Soviet states such as Moldova and Georgia, as well as all of Central Asia, are what Russia considers its red line. When the West did not agree to Putin's demands, Russia responded by launching a military operation and took action to fulfill what he had brought up in the, second, in the security talks. Up to now, NATO has reiterated that U.S. and NATO armed forces will not land in Ukraine or fight with Russian troops in Ukraine as it's not a member of NATO. On the one hand, this may secure the entire economic landscape of the West and even the world, avoiding the outbreak of another large-scale war in Europe. On the other hand, after Russia's annexation of Crimea, Ukraine sought membership in NATO. In the end, as the enemy was at the city gates, Ukraine was still not able to join NATO in an emergency. However, military cooperation between Ukraine and NATO has provided Russia with pretext for its military operation. 
For example, Ukraine has opened its territorial airspace to U.S. surveillance aircraft and drones and allowed lots of military advisors and units from NATO members to be stationed in the name of, quote, joint military training. The world has been accustomed to the brutal reality for decades caused by conflicts between what should be and what is in the international political environment, resulting in great shock when actors with great power and resources overturn the rules that should be followed. The geopolitical curse and the conflicts between cultural history and national relations have finally overwhelmed Ukraine, making it the first victim as the previous order collapses. While Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky mentioned the fact that the West is leaving Ukraine to its own destiny, no NATO country has been willing to show support for Ukraine's accession to NATO. This could be an indication that Ukraine is still open to diplomacy with Russia. For Russia, promoting diplomatic negotiation as well as the other side's surrender by force is the best choice. If Zelensky decides to go into exile abroad, Russia could try to form a pro-Russian government, which would be unlikely to receive support and recognition. The worst option for Russia would be to totally destroy Ukraine in armed clashes, which would come at a high price and do irreversible damage to the relationship between Russia and the Ukrainian people. Putin's current presidential term ends in 2024. With these events, it's inevitable that he will fight for another term. Under Russia's current constitution, Putin can stay in power until 2036. Now, through Russia's full-scale attack on Ukraine, Putin has proved his intention to deter NATO's eastward expansion. Looking to mid-2030 and back to the present, Russia's war with Ukraine might be only the beginning of Russia's effort to reorganize Eastern Europe, build up a safe space, and impose its influence throughout the post-Soviet states. Yesterday, Jim Bianco of Bianco Research stated the U.S. is in such a weak position because of its dependence on high asset prices and low inflation, while Europe is in such a weak position because of its dependence on Russian energy. How do they stop Russia and China from doing anything? Today, Jim Bianco and others went on Bloomberg discussing the difficult situation Western central banks and particularly the United States is in. Jim, you came out pretty early this week and essentially said, and I'll paraphrase, and you can clarify if you'd like, that this market was a measure of how serious the West were about containing the Russian president's aggression towards Ukraine. Is your conclusion that at the moment they don't seem to be that serious? Yeah, unfortunately, that is my conclusion because any kind of sanctions that you would put on Russia would have to involve some pain or discomfort in the West. And it's very apparent that nobody in the West really wants any pain or discomfort. So there's really going to be nothing of substance that's going to stop them. And if not, I think all we're going to wind up from this whole affair is looking at the issue in front of us. What was the issue before Ukraine? It was inflation. What is going to be coming out of this? Well, it certainly isn't going to be lower prices that's going to be coming out of this. It's going to be some version of higher prices, whether it's energy prices, whether it's food prices. Remember, 25% of all uh, grain exports come from Russia and the Ukraine as well, too. So if all we're going to get out of this is high prices, it's just going to put more heat on the inflation story and probably put more heat on the Federal Reserve to raise rates, not to lower rates. I think that's why you've got the two-year note back above 160 this morning, because without changing the situation in the Ukraine, we're just going to go right back to, okay, the Fed's going to have to raise rates a lot of times to try and deal with inflation. Let's round it up. We're there, 160, basically up two basis points on twos. Greg Peters, do you share that conclusion? Absolutely. I, I think it's really about the inflation and the reaction function of central banks. This just 
just exacerbates it all. So, uh, you know, I think what we learned is that, uh, you know, we're not geopolitical analysts uh, at all. Uh, uh, and the focus should be on what what was happening with the economy and inflation that I think just makes it a really difficult backdrop for central bankers and investors, right? They're trying to thread the needle. So I'm, I'm more in the camp. I think the markets are uh, too tone deaf here. I think they're applying the playbook of, you know, typical conflict where there's, you know, this big rally on the back end um, uh, once it gets going. But I think that misses a central point where fiscal is going the other way and what you're creating is more inflation uh, and therefore more response by central banks. So uh, I'm a little more uh, circumspect than uh, maybe some others. Yeah, I think what Wall Street is general is having a very difficult time getting their head around is what is the Fed's priority? Everybody assumes the Fed's priority is growth. Everybody frames the discussion about growth. Well, what's this mean for growth if the Fed is going to raise rates? I think the priority has been shifting to inflation. We should be asking, when is inflation going to be down low enough that they could stop raising rates? And unfortunately, a lot of people think that that's not till next year. And that's why I think that we dismiss this idea that they're going to raise rates six or seven times. That's what the market is priced in because we think about growth. But if we think about inflation and we go, if their priority is inflation, then they very well might have to raise six or seven times. And if that means growth has to take a hit, because that's the objective, and asset markets are going to have some turbulence because of it, then so be it. That's the environment we're in right now. This is what happens when the Fed stays at zero all the way to 7%. They don't have a thread-the-needle option. They've only got trade-offs. And right now, I think the trade-off they're going to pick is more about inflation and less about growth. Greg, if that's the case, let's talk about market implications. Michael Hartnett of Bank of America put out this this morning. The percentage of stocks in a bear market, 76% of the Nasdaq, 51% of the S&P 500. He went on to say the Fed is tightening into a crash and stagflation. Credit stock bear markets beginning. Now, it's pretty inflammatory stuff when you think about it, Greg. Beneath the surface, though, there's been some destruction in the equity market, some real destruction. I wonder, from your perspective, your view, Greg, when you look into the credit market, the degree of destruction you've seen. Yeah, so I think directly that's right. Uh, but I would push back on destruction. I think there's been very little. And uh, I agree 100% with Jim's comments. I think the narrative is inflation. And let's be clear, that's a new narrative for most investors, right? That hasn't been part of the calculus uh, since, you know, uh, the late 70s, early 80s. So this focus on financial conditions uh, seems like a sideshow to me. So I... Today, Tavi Costa pointed out early tremors tell of a continued rollover in tech stocks, stating that the last 21 times NASDAQ had an intraday reversal of 5%, it happened during brutal bear markets. This 21st century NASDAQ composite chart you see here illustrates the early 2000s tech bust and then the 2008 housing bust rolling into the global financial crisis. And while the tech high flyers might be masking what is happening underneath the broader stock market for the moment, the worsening fundamentals underneath, they speak for themselves. Of course, predictably, our fiat financial overlord class took to mainstream financial news headlines this week to misdirect inflationary scapegoats. Ironically, this headline was produced by August 2019 go-direct inflationary policy prescribing pandemic no-bid contract bailout king BlackRock, claiming that 10% U.S. CPI is now on the radar 
and that its coordinating central banks may have to live with inflation longer. As if this current state of inflationary affairs is not what they premeditated and coordinated with other central banks upon starting in August 2019. Meanwhile, other media outlets thoroughly debased themselves further this week. Ah, some quick gallows humor to briefly wash away some of this inflationary propaganda pain. At least a few seconds of levity. Life could be much worse. Hello there, on behalf of SDBullion.com, this is James Anderson with a quick SDBullion market update. Before we go further, please smash the like button so other sound money stackers can also see this content. And be sure to subscribe to our SDBullion channel so you can get our latest market coverages and also a chance at winning incredible bullion giveaways like this one. Raise your hand if you like free stuff. We were going to give away a free tube of the brand new 2022 Silver Eagle coins. Then we said, nah, make it 25 tubes. SD Boolean is at it again with the Silver Eagle Monster Box sweepstakes. How many coins are in a monster box? Let's just say one lucky participant is going to be showing off their best celebratory dance moves with 500 shiny new silver bird friends. So head over to sdboolean.com backslash sweepstakes for your chance to win. Click the link below to enter our new 500 ounce American Silver Eagle coin type 2 giveaway contest. And good luck to all of you who take part. We experienced a rather crazy and volatile week in the monetary precious metals markets with both silver and gold blasting higher on safe haven inflows with news of the Russian-Ukrainian invasion Wednesday overnight into Thursday morning's comic silver and gold trading hours. The gold spot price shot up briefly towards 2,000 an ounce with the silver spot price hitting as high as 25.60 an ounce, only to see massive stop-loss cascades and what some might simply deem buy the rumor, sell the news price action. But judging by outsized comic silver futures trading volumes this past few days, one is left again to think about how truly asinine our current silver and gold price discovery markets truly are. Putting yesterday's comic silver trading volumes into further context, here is a more than two-year time span illustrating only a few brief other durations of time when silver was threatening to blow through 30 an ounce. Did we ever see algorithmic sell-offs in such size and scale? Such silver derivative sell-offs might be buying this fiat financial system further time and credibility and appearance. But underneath, in the real world, real upside pressure is building for a tremendous breakout ahead. Turning briefly to the often neglected on this channel platinum market, I noticed this week that akin to my belief from a while ago that the NYMEX platinum market will eventually begin looking like the NYMEX palladium market. The NYMEX platinum market's underlying warehouse bullion inventory levels are now nearly half of its 2021 pandemic-driven arbitrage peak. In less than one year of time, over 320,000 ounces of platinum bullion have been sucked out of the NYMEX. In a market that's roughly 7 to 8 million ounces of demand, my bet is that much of this platinum bullion has flowed to hydrogen infrastructure building China. Platinum is still priced at just over 1,000 an ounce, and it remains about as cheap as it has ever been versus ramping gold prices, historically speaking. Following up on last week's Canadian Emergencies Act debacle, which has since been supposedly retracted by Canada Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, Probably the most telling clip of that nation's underlying issue was put on display in its House of Commons last week when the usurping influence of the World Economic Forum 
was brought up for debate. Watch this House Speaker's face and the emotional, likely on target overreaction it stirred up. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and I listened to my colleague's speech. I had a constituent that wanted me to ask a question about outside interference to our democracy. Klaus Schwab is the head of the World Economic Forum, and he bragged how his subversive WWF World Economic Forum has, quoted, infiltrated governments around the world. He said that his organization had penetrated more than half of Canada's cabinet. I was wondering, in the interest of transparency, could the member please name which cabinet ministers are on board with the WEF's agenda? My concern is the deputy. Uh, order, order, order. I, I know he was. I know the, uh, the member was in a, a really good, good question there, but the, the the audio is really, really bad, and the video is really, really bad as well. Um, and I and I and I apologize. I don't know if if the member. Okay, uh, let's let's uh, let's try again. The honourable the, the, the honourable member for Timmins James Bay. Mr. Speaker, that member was promoting open disinformation. That's not debate. We have to call out disinformation. Uh, we'll get into debate again. Majid Nawaz went on the highly popular Joe Rogan podcast this past week, and he had the following excerpts to warn about central bank digital currencies, known by their shortened acronym CBDCs. Oh, technical difficulties and my apologies. YouTube's copyright police hit the original upload of this video citing Joe Rogan's content. So in order for you to hear the clips of the CBDC-related information that was broadcast this past week on that podcast, go to the YouTube section below. In the top of the comments, I'm going to leave two links so you can go and see what undoubtedly tens of millions of people will hear in the following weeks and months to come. Now, tens of millions of mostly male conservative normies heard that information and warning around the world this past week. Do you think many of them are also going to begin learning about physical bullion to front-run the central bank control efforts, which are bearing down upon us globally? That's all for this week. As always, to you out there, take great care of yourselves and those you love. If you enjoyed this content, be sure to give our video a thumbs up. To keep getting bullion-related news and industry insights, be sure to subscribe to our channel. Finally, hit that alert button so you know when we publish fresh content.